Hello and welcome to the Old Soul Podcast. I am your host, Ryan Dockery, and I am actually doing my first solo podcast. Um, You may be able to hear Charlie in the background chewing on her bone, but other than that, this is going to be just me. And basically what inspired this uh, solo podcast is I wanted to talk a little bit about how from my perspective, um, the world is once again changing, as it does all the time. The world is not a static environment. It's it's a very dynamic place, and I wanted to utilize the Old Soul podcast and really dive into, on my own, a discussion about why one of the big tenets of why I started um this podcast is is having big conversations um, in this in this instance maybe a big long monologue um, but I wanted to start with Generation Z. I myself am a member of Generation Z. I was born in two thousand one, and I really, when I think back and I look at how many experiences I've had just in my my 22 years of life as of recording this podcast, this episode, and just the volume of intense information that um, myself, I can't necessarily speak for everyone in my my generation, but for me, the volume volume and intensity of the experiences that we have endured— and had in our lifetime. If we go back, I one of the things that um, you know, individuals who are a bit older than me, uh, maybe in their twenties or their their um, late twenties, early thirties, even their forties, when I say, you know, I never knew um, a time when nine eleven wasn't something that had occurred. It has always been something in my life that I have. Uh, been influenced by, um, whether it be just simply airport security, whether it be the way that we think about travel, um, the way we consume goods, which, you know, one of the things that in the aftermath of 9-11, George Bush really wanted people to do was to get back and start spending. And I think that, you know, another facet of 9-11 that occurred was people did that. They started spending a lot more and and focusing on consumerism and travel. And that set us up throughout the 2000s to really value uh, materialist possessions and materialist possessions and travel as it began to come back after, you know, people got very scared of air travel after 9-11. And so, you know, that was one instance. And then we had... um, multiple different epidemics. We had swine flu, um, Ebola. So we saw a lot of different health um, implications, not to mention, you know, COVID-19 in the 2020s. But if we focus specifically on the the 2000s, we had um, those particular events that also were the backdrop um, that contributed to a lot of anxiety within our parents, a lot of anxiety within our society, that we were ingesting, um, and or not ingesting, digesting, and taking in and being a part of, um, and that works against one. 
it works against one's ability to be comfortable and be calm um, amongst a, a crazy world. So we had 9-11 and we had, um, you know, these epidemics. And then on top of that, in the end of the 2000s, uh, we had this housing crisis and we had an economic recession and it shaped our viewpoint of money. So at this point in time, within a decade, we've had a lot of really large scale societal events take place that form that formed a very stressful environment for our parents. And I've been doing a lot of reading up on ADHD and how the environment in which the parents develop and foster impacts the child in every way you can imagine. Because that's the only, you know, we are nature and nurture. I do believe they work together. Um, and, and that is the product. The environment is that product. So we have to look at what that particular set of circumstances did to my generation and how we were the, the middle between millennials and also this new generation alpha, how we have experienced a very vast array of booms and busts. Um, because mind you, I do want to note that before the housing crisis, abundance was everywhere. America and our economic situation was amazing off the charts. My family included, we had multiple houses and were very comfortable and we we benefited greatly from that economy. And then once the housing crisis happened, that's when all of that benefit was very quickly sucked away and all that comfort stability was changed. And so our mindset had to change and our everyday life began to look a lot different. And that's what shaped the early 2010s. And with that in the backdrop, one's mind becomes anxious and one's mind becomes constantly looking for the next thing that can go wrong. And this is a, this is a, a symptom of the environment in which you know, was fostered by these massive societal events. I can't blame my parents for this. I can't blame anyone's parents for this. It was just the way the cards fell within that decade. And that in itself creates an anxious person, but an anxious person that doesn't really even recognize that they're anxious, right? Because it's just the situation that they've inherited. So they don't know any better. I will say that, you know, in... In this changing world and in the environment in which Generation Alpha, Generation Z, and Millennials were all experiencing this kind of, I believe, kind of collective impending doom. Um, and the reason I believe that is, is because of the internet. And I'm not pointing fingers and saying that the internet is bad for this. I'm saying that the way our brains interact with that volume of information, that speed of information, is not conducive for society to continue operating in the way that it has for throughout human history. I believe that our brains have a lag. 
And the reason that it has a lag is because this is, our brains are still very um, primitive. Our brains are, they are the product of a long, long line of evolutionary changes that have brought us to where we are today. Our brains are used to synthesizing information at a much slower pace, at a more um, local level. Before the internet, it took a very long time for messages and information to transfer, to be received, for decisions to be made and then carried out. Now, those decisions are literally happening at the speed of light. Those That information is traveling at the speed of light due to fiber optic networks. It's, it's The dissemination of information is so fast and in such large quantities that our minds don't have the hardware to do what it has been done in the past, synthesizing information and developing and recognizing patterns and making decisions. In the past, the brain has had a lot more time to perform those tasks. Now, we are performing those tasks hastily, very quickly, on information that we're not quite sure of or not 100% behind ourselves, but it's the best we've got at one moment. And over the past eight years, we've just seen a rise in a distrust. I've seen, I'm not going to say we, I've seen a rise in, and if this resonates with you, you know, take what, take what resonates and leave what doesn't (laughs) by all means, formulate your own thoughts here, please. That's what I want from this. We have seen a, I have seen a rise in individuals just distrusting everything they hear, everything that they, no matter the source. I mean, it's really a, almost a fear of information coming from anywhere other than what they see with their own two eyes, hear with their own ears, and experience in their own lives. And it makes sense to me. We have had multiple voices that have said, do not trust what you hear, do not tr- you know, believe everything that you come across on the internet. And those voices came to us as young children, our teachers, our parents, whom were experiencing the internet oftentimes for the first time themselves, were terrified of what the internet brought. So we were taught, don't trust the internet, don't, you know, don't believe everything you read. Have, you know, critical thinking, the ability to do so was quite literally downloaded, <laughs> you know, via our teachers into our brains to make sure that we had a very thick lens and firewall, if you will. I'm going to keep going with these computer puns between the information that we were reading and what we were taking as truth and what we were using in our lives to make decisions, even though, you know, we're. 9, 10, 11 years old, you know, not big decisions, but still we were allowing what we allowed in to our minds to shape our opinions. That is not training that the, um, you know, that generation X, you know, the baby boomers, it's not training they received. It's not insight 
that they were privy to. So our generation has this distrust of information at large, whereas previous generations were just were accustomed to believing what they received through news media outlets and through um, word of mouth. They just trusted in their sources. Understandably so. They, they, they might have had reason to distrust, but they still had, you know, they had healthy speculation, but they could, uh, amongst the broad swaths of information, they could probably stand pretty firm. Our generation, the way that I grew up, no. You, you don't have that luxury of faith. Uh, faith is something that can get you in trouble. To just take something at one's word, to take a news media outlet at their word, to take some TikTok video, some Instagram post, whatever, at its word, can lead you to a false belief. A belief that will then contradict itself later, or even get you hurt, you know, if it's some form of false fitness information or health information. It could you could get wrong legal advice, you name it. The internet has it a la carte. So our generation, I believe, my me, as once I'm trying not to generalize, I grew up with a healthy speculation of the internet, sometimes maybe even an unhealthy speculation where it's just, I can't, I don't know what to believe. Because once again, my brain doesn't have the hardware to synthesize this large amount of data, this contradicting data. I mean, it's cognitive dissonance on scales that are so large <laughs> because of the, it's, it's, it's different from what you learned in the past. And it's, it's, it can be very tricky to have to side with something. And I think that's a very, you know, uh, old world, very primitive instinct, right? We, we're, we want to pick a side. We want to stick to one thing and, and run with it because that's what our ancestors did. We, that's what helped us survive is when we chose a camp and stuck with it. Everybody protected each other. You know, we grew together, blah, blah, blah things, genes were passed down. So now our logical brains are running calculations against what things are, what were what data we're receiving. And it's harder to pick a camp. It's, it's not as cut and dry. It's sometimes the moral lines are crossed. Sometimes the logical lines are crossed. Sometimes our own ethical or belief systems are called into question where it's now how do I rationalize these two things with what I'm seeing and experiencing? How do I do that? So I do believe that there are a couple things that our brains have an advantage or not have an advantage, but will catch up, right? So as I mentioned previously, data and information it's moving at light speed. It's, and it's going to continue changing and expanding and developing exponentially. That's just, you know, I know Moore's law, you can only, it can only go so far, but, you know, I truly do believe that technological innovation will continue to um, exponentially grow as, you know, 
as time moves forward. So our our brains have a couple key tenants, I believe, um, that will help us keep pace. One, our neurons. They, too, move very, very quickly. They're electrical signals, so they're moving very fast. So we've got that. Neuroplasticity in the brain, it moves quickly, you know, um, and there's it happens fast. Our brains can change. They can rewire themselves, and we can be able to learn and change and adapt quickly. So that's a that's an evolutionary evolutionary advantage that we, you know, we've fostered for ourselves. Second, our education systems. We can use education to develop critical thinking skills. It just really depends on how who's developing it and how it's developed if it's correctly implemented to be able to synthesize that much data make sense out of it and to what lines are we making sense out of it those are the key decisions that our education system has to decide how will it teach critical thinking because it has to be taught it has to be something that human beings continually get better at if we are to survive in this information-based system, information-based economy, information-based world where multiple streams of information are coming at us at once and we have to be able to determine which one's right, which one's wrong, which one's truthful, which one's factual, which one's fake, which one's artificially created, which that is one of the more frightening, and I don't want to use this podcast to fearmonger, but it is one of the more frightening things for me to be able to... Um, uh, say is that people are really getting tripped up with AI generated material and at the speed at which this material can be created. And to me and my eyes, it's, you know, I've been really kind of keeping up with the ability to tune what looks real and what looks AI I kind of think of it on a, on a spectrum. <laughs> you know, if it's super realistic, um, then it's probably, you know, it's super realistic. It's super realistic and it's kind of in line with, it's awful to say, but the stereotypes, right? Oftentimes those rumors and those stereotypes can give us a pattern to follow. If it's in suit with a pattern that we've seen before, then it's probably more trustworthy. If it's super out there, just... I mean, like, what? Uh, you know, something never seen before, out of this world, then I'm going to approach it with a bit more skepticism than if I would have said, meh, typical, you know? And third, so I, we talked about neurons and how quickly our brains uh, can change thanks to neuroplasticity. Second is our learning um, and our ability to learn and our education systems and our edu- and our the infrastructure and ability we have to teach critical thinking and develop critical thinking skills. And third is our innate nature to want to live, right? To continually want to survive and improve. And I think that the next evolutionary step in our, um, our experience as a species 
is how we have the ability to compromise, to come to conclusion and to meet halfway and to use our emotional empathy to see the other side and to lead that way and to want to foster peace. I've used that word foster a lot. I love that, you know, that image of, you know, growth and, and being a part of the prosperity of bringing growth. So we've got those three tenants, right? The neurons and our neuroplasticity. We've got our ability to learn and our educational, you know, critical thinking skills. And we've got our empathy and our emotional resonance. So the internet has played such a large role in our society's changes over the past 20 years. As the flow of information has gotten greater, as our not only greater, it's gotten faster. Our brain's ability to synthesize information is now changing, and our desire to come together and to unite and to try and figure out what's true and what's not leads us to this uh, decision, right? How will we react? And my generation and Generation Alpha and the millennials before, we will be the generation that will see this through, right? It may not end with us. I believe that throughout my lifetime, the information war, right? The, the, the constant cognitive dis or dissonance in our you know, media and in our social media and in the conversations and things we hear and read will not go away. Um, I, I, I love the song, uh, you know, it was recently um, remade by Fall Out Boy. It was original Billy Joel song, We Didn't Start the Fire. I love that song because it's so true. <laughs> it's very accurate. Um, we didn't start this fire. And in that song, it's funny, they mention a lot of the things that I just brought up, you know, with 9-11 and, you know, all the different things from 2000, more like the 1990s forward, of how things are changing. And it's not like this is the first time that things have changed, right? This is a way in which the world works as uh, it's, it's, a, it's a symptom of being human. The world feels like it's on fire all the time. So will we be able to sit in it and get better at feeling the warmth and the coziness? Or will we let it tear us apart? Will we let it burn us up? And I think that that's the decision that has to be made. I believe that in this cognitive dissonance you have individuals, or in the, um, and I'm kind of a part of this camp actually, no matter what you're seeing or hearing on the news or through conversations from friends or even um, on social media particularly about how many things are going wrong, you know, war is breaking out, Europe is erupting and, you know, border crisis and pandemics and, and, and all of it. I think it's um, one of the 
mental strategies of keeping sanity is to focus on what's happening in front of you, not on your screen. Because there, and it, it sounds like you're, you know, rolling over and giving up, right? It, it does, but it's not that. It's choosing to selectively opt out of the chaos, to quietly prepare to become slower, right? To focus on things that you want to do, not the things that everyone says you should pay attention to, right? If you want to get better at cooking, you do that. That's a skill that can benefit you. If you want to get good at gardening or farming, you do that. If you want to get good at exercising and, you know, um, health, you can do that. By turning off the tap of all the world's problems, you can begin to settle into your own world. And remember that all of that out there in space, yes, someone is dealing with that. There, That is someone's experience. That is someone's objective reality, but it's not quite yours. Could it get to be yours? Of course. The world around you is not static. It's dynamic. But at this point, it's not. And unfortunately, and this is where one of the biggest pitfalls of media and social media come and occur is for the vast majority of viewers watching that occur, it's out of their control. So the only thing it can do is cause them immense internal stress. Now, I'm not saying that it's wrong to react to something going on very far away. We have empathy. It's a big part of what I just said. To be able to feel emotionally and learn and be empathetic towards other people's experiences. It's important to remember that, but it's also important to remember a boundary and say that that's their experience. I have the ability to help in um, maybe a very limited capacity. If I choose to do so, I can. But I'm also keenly aware that my contribution will not be the thing that checks that problem off of the world's, you know, to-do list. So you're keeping up with your own rhythm. You're pouring efforts into your um, things that improve you and your family and your social sphere, right? The You're adding value to, and you know, this can be your job, but it can also be you know, your own hobbies. You're adding value to your objective reality. You're not allowing the the ether, right, social media and the media to um, impact your, um, your sanity, your peace of mind. Because that's how you, in all reality, in, in truth, if that thing, whatever trouble is coming your way, right? And, and it happens to you, you will have been, you will be of more benefit if you would have taken the time and the moment to get better at something that, and spent more time investing in your current situation, right? And getting good at certain skills or just becoming better at logical, critical thinking, than if you would have just sat there and worried and watched it coming. It's like the difference between someone who says, all right, I know something's coming. I'm going to, you know, 
work and I'm going to get myself fortified and someone who just stands there and watches it. Now, I want to preface what I'm saying. Don't go doomsday prepping. Just just live your life. <laughs> live the best way to prepare is to enjoy the now, right? Lean into the things that you enjoy. Lean into the things that you want to pursue. Lean into the things that you hold dear. I think that's one of the reasons why um, Gen Z and Generation Alpha are coming to a coming to a head in a lot of ways with um, the work environment. You know, it in a lot of ways the way people earn money isn't the way that they want to spend their lives. Right? It's just a another symptom of being human in this capitalistic based society, right? We just have to earn money, contribute to the economy, contribute to society, and we're able to spend money and get a share of those contributions of society, right? But it's not, you know, it's not what people, you know, dream of. It's not that, oh my God, I'm going to change the world sort of mentality that we grew up with, a a set of toxic positivity through school, you know, you're going to change the world, you're going to we're all told this, right? We're gonna, you're gonna change the world. You're gonna have a bright future, you know. But then you come into the work environment and you don't feel that way, you know. You don't feel like all of those high expectations you set you've set for yourself, right, are coming true. So the focus is now shifting away from that and saying, okay, what can I do to improve my day-to-day life in a direction that I want to see, that I'll be proud to see, that I can build not a legacy, I can build a life, right? I can build something that I will meet my deathbed with proudly, right? To go far in the future, right? Hopefully. So I am... Thinking, you know, this is where my head is with, you know, the myriad of things going on in the world at all times, you know, and the environment in which I grew up. And it it feels like it's never, you know, changed. I'm still fairly anxious about the world and how things are going and what, what fucking crisis is next, right? I think that's another thing that my generation, you know, going off on a tangent... You really can't throw anything at my generation that we're just not going to laugh at and shake off. You know, at this point in time, we've been through a global pandemic. We've been through, you know, wars. We've been through, like, economic recessions. Like, what's next? Seriously, like, we're, we're, we're like, we could survive this. We have that mentality, I will say. You know, however, to kind of contradict, not kind of, to contradict myself, one of the things that is... The highest rate of death amongst, you know, individuals is suicide, right? We don't, we're getting better as a society, I believe, at talking about mental health. But right now, that's, I believe, one of the symptoms of the amount of information we're having to synthesize, you know? Being able to, you know, losing that war with the information and the cognitive dissonance in your mind might end up looking like, Unfortunately, someone taking their own lives. So teaching critical thinking skills and teaching the ability to, you know, synthesize, I use that word a lot, to digest that much information could quite literally be a life-saving tool for somebody. Whether it be in a 
battle against their own thoughts or a battle against someone else's. Being able to think critically, and I, you know, I, I wish I could say what it looked like, you know, if I could paint a picture of a perfect world where everybody thought critically, you know, it might be a utopia. I don't, I don't know, but it definitely can't hurt to have people pause a moment and to remember that what they're digest, what they're seeing might not be exactly what's going on. Now, survival in that looks like being able to deal with it because it's not comforting. You know, it, it's very earth-shattering, you know, to not be able to trust everything you're seeing. You know, I think my generation's quite good with it because it's just, we're so used to it now. You know, our brains were in the process of developing, so it was just another thing added to the docket. You know, it's just how our brains shaped. You know, we were used to that storm, so we got good at being in it, you know. It will, I truly do believe it will be a very, very powerful tool um, for us in the future to be able to exist in chaos that's all around us and being constantly thrown at us. You know, it, it will help. So I hope that this podcast has taken, you know, has, has walked you, walked you through my mental, um, spot, my mental state regarding the, the mess we find ourselves in at human beings, which once again is not, you know, <laughs> it's not a mess we haven't been in before, you know, and I, I do believe that looking at, you know, and, and getting all caught up in conspiracy and getting all caught up in worry, you know, about, oh, this could be another, you know, we're, we're seeing all this stuff happen. Something's coming. Something's, well, surprise. Something, if, if you know, the last 20 years have, have taught us anything, yeah, something's always coming, <laughs> you know? So you just, you just know that the world's not going to end because, shit, at this point in time, it's ended a couple times, you know? I mean, with every, everybody has predicted something and, you know, none of the predictions come true, but all of a sudden, something comes out of nowhere, you know, and we have, the world shuts down or something goes wrong. It just, it just will always, there will always be noise. There will always be something. But one thing that, you know, everybody loses faith in humanity but I truly do believe, I truly believe that most people are good. Most people don't want to see pain and hurt and suffering in the world. And I think that those things, pain, suffering, and hate, they sell. They make money. They get attention. Because our fear, fear is one of the most powerful emotions to make us act. To make us spend money. To make us go do stuff. To go vote. 
But I truly do believe that we have been here before. We'll be here again. But in the booms and busts of this life, in the booms and busts of this world, the arc, the average, bends toward hope. It bends toward peace. And I think that is where you have to sit on that long arc. You can't pick a side anymore. You have to learn to exist on the arc, in the average, in the compromise, in the little middle circle of the Venn diagram. You have to be able to exist there. And that, my dear friends, <laughs> <laughs> that is where I do believe we will find peace. Where we will have positive discourse, healthy conversations, strong families, and good times, and good vibes. Truly, I, I think that that is whenever we forget that we do all bleed the same, that we all do want to just be happy. You know, I've yet to meet someone who is hell bent on being miserable. <laughs> you know, I, it just ha hasn't happened. Yeah, I mean, maybe someone can <clears throat> point them in my direction. <laughs> but yeah, that is truly where I sit is that the long arc does bend towards justice and it bends towards hope and it bends towards peace. Just sometimes we find ourselves, you know, outliers. Not on that average, but somewhere way off base. And just remember to put down the phone, put down the media, turn off the TV, go outside, stare at the sunset. Don't stare at the sun. <laughs> it's bad for your eyes. Don't do that. But look at around you and remember where you're standing. Remember where you're at. Take a breath. You know? Assess your current reality. I think that's one of the biggest things I ever learned in business school. Assess the current reality. Don't worry about what ifs. Don't worry about what happened. Assess the current reality. What is going on now that is impacting me? What is going on now that will impact me later? That's where you'll be able to make the best decisions when you're dealing with objective reality, not some what if. So I hope you enjoy this podcast, and I hope that you got something from it. If you did, please leave a comment or a like or a rating. Um, feel free to share this out with your friends and family. I love, you know, I like going on and talking um, because I think that that's part of convert, you know, part of being human is sharing your ideas and your thoughts. So never be afraid to do so yourself. Just don't share thoughts that hurt people, you know. Don't share thoughts that are misleading. Share your objective reality, your truth. Don't ever be afraid of your truth. So once again, thank you so much. I'm your host, Ryan Dockery, and I 
hope you have a wonderful day, night, evening, (laughs) whenever you're listening. Thank you so much.